All right, we are here with Behind the DM Screen. Uh, it is whatever month this is. What month are we? April, May? May? Hey, it's May, May. Of, yeah. May of 2017. Uh, it's three DMs talking about their games and helping each other out. And first up on the list to, for this episode is Sam. Take it away. Awesome. Okay, so can't remember exactly where I left off on the last episode, but I will give you the quick rundown. But first, let me say that my group is totally awesome. You know, I, I have a new group that I'm playing with, and it's really, really cool, and it's very refreshing, and they are very awesome. So here's what's happening. Oh, I also want to put a shout out to James Carruthers, who uh, who emailed about trying to uh, to get me to use the uh, Adventures in Middle Earth for my fifth edition game, because mm-hmm. in the in the last episode I was talking about how I wasn't sure what I was going to run. And James, I really appreciate it, but I ha- but I got your email like two weeks after I had already met with my group and decided what we were going to do. And it's not Middle Earth, so I, you can uh, curse me and uh, and and <laughs> deal with that. However, in whichever way that you uh, that you can. Well, that worked uh, out okay did- for him anyway, because from that email, I invited him to be on the review episode yeah. of the Middle Earth yeah. book. So yeah, 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 and that's the episode that just released. So and that's why I, I was like, hey, that's the guy that sent me the email. So yeah. that was really that was really fun. So see, listeners, if you send in an email, you might end up on a show. Might. Anyway, so here's what's happening in my group. The 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 hometown and, and the sort of home region that this group is in is under attack from a humongous goblin horde. And these are my special precocial sack goblins that I wrote about on my website. And they're these sort of nasty little creatures that that grow inside these sacks that have to be hung from trees of a certain distance from a fire so that they can incubate mm-hmm. correctly. And they, they crawl out ravenously hungry and they're, they're a lot smarter than the sort of average goblin. And they, they don't kowtow to the bugbears or the hobgoblins. They're sort of their own entity and they are extremely, they procreate a lot. Uh, they hump like bunnies and they produce a lot of offspring. And so, they have so it's, a, it's alien face huggers meets tribbles. Yeah, kind of, okay. because they they have like a queen who produces a, a ton of eggs, and they have these matrons that go around and, and incubate the eggs and care for the eggs. And so every time there's a reproductive cycle, they get, you know, almost 200 new offspring. And when they hatch out of their amniotic sac after it's been, you know, hung up and incubated for a couple of weeks, they're complete full adults. Hmm. So it's a very short life cycle, um, but they're, they're nasty little buggers anyway so what happened was the the group came across they they finally got to the sort of midway point they were trying to deliver some cheese they didn't know this this invasion was happening yet and they were trying to deliver some cheese and they came across this town that was actually actively under attack and they went in a couple of them snuck in and they rescued some people and they people they rescued are able to try to help rescue others but they found out that these goblins are taking a lot of these people as slaves and the invasion in, of this town was very sudden and it was because there is, uh, was a portal that suddenly popped up in the middle of the market district in, in this town. And these goblins started pouring out and wreaking havoc all over town. And so the group goes around, they scout around, they find out there's a ton of goblins in town. And, and they see some of the prisoners being taken into this portal. But it, it's not like a portal like where you see like a shimmering light and they hop in and, 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 and when they stand on that spot, they sort of teleport away. It's a portal that has this sort of archway and then there's stairs going into the ground where there weren't before. So the party goes into this area and they go down and they find this dungeon down there that that previously did not exist. And so here's what I'm doing. I so Pathfinder right now their their current adventure path is uh, is called the Iron Fang Invasion and it's actually mm-hmm. about a, a like an orc horde invasion. Uh, and so I'm I kind of used that as a springboard and some inspiration to give me some ideas about how things are working and that's where that portal idea came from. And then also I'm I'm kind of using Shadowfell Keep as part of you know like the the two the lower level of Shadowfell Keep and the sort of uh, the the um, where they actually close the the rift to the Shadowfell. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that lower level, 
but I'm also using Sunless Citadel. So I've got this sort of mishmash mixture of things going on because what's happening is the group is learning that the goblins are partially taking these people to be slaves, but they're also taking the people because there's a large ritual happening that is supposed to summon this this demon lord. But they didn't know who this demon lord was. It's a it's an unknown demon lord. But they found a bunch of writings and clues in the in the current dungeon where they're at, and they've sort of pieced together things based on a couple of trinkets that they had. So when I had them roll their characters up, they rolled up trinkets, and two out of the three of them rolled up things that one of them rolled up like a parchment with some kind of a contraption on it that they didn't understand, and one of them has a diary that has writing in it that they can't read and so it's going to turn out that all of that is in primordial language and the contraption is going to be the way to destroy the portals it's going to be the key to the portals and so all of these things are going on and they're slowly putting these these clues together and it, they've just now figured out that this summoning ritual is occurring where that where this creature is going to be summoned back but and now they know the name of the demon but they didn't they didn't know it before and and they sort of didn't understand what was going on but now now they do now this just this past session they've learned it and as part of it they they came across this room and it's the room in the sunless citadel everybody's this, this is everybody's favorite right it's the room in the sunless citadel that had the cage with meepo in it okay and Meepo is is the little in in the Sunless Citadel. It's a little kobold that that is kind of whimpering, and you can make friends with him, and he'll lead you through, and he'll take you to the kobold king or queen or whatever, and and you can then sort of ally with the kobolds to to fix the problems that are happening elsewhere in the citadel. Well, in in so I sort of used that idea a little bit. They found a goblin, but. They thought the goblin had been tortured and, and like, beat up because the go- goblin was kind of small. He's kind of a little runt, except he wasn't actually tortured and beat up. He was just crying in his cage because they had come and taken away his dog. And it turns out at that point I figured out and I, I, or I learned, I guess, that one of my players is a really big dog lover. Mm. And so she, she suddenly identified with this little goblin who, and said, oh, we should help him get his dog back. You know, they came and took the dog. Well, they agreed to do that. They, they, they had to take this potion in order to be able to uh, – it's a magical potion they had to take in order to be able to talk to this goblin. And they they spoke to the goblin, but the potion acts quite a bit like comprehend languages. So you get the sort of literal meaning, but you don't get the context. Mm. Uh, and so they agree to to help this goblin find his dog and and reclaim his dog from the rest of the tribe if he helps them if he takes them to the where the slaves are being held. And after they agree to that, then they start asking more questions, and they learn that the dog is probably a hellhound. And they're at the time they were just barely second level characters. Mm-hmm. So and they didn't uh, that get was, that because of the lack of context. Well, they didn't get it partly because of lack of context, but partly because they didn't really ask the right questions. Sure. Because I think the one player got kind of excited about saving somebody's dog. <laughs> sure. No, I'm just I'm, so, I'm I'm very interested yeah. in the idea of comprehend language that doesn't like portray context very well and how that plays out. You know, in right. at the table. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So this is actually a, a, a magic item that I created, and I gave it to them specifically. They, they got it from a – it made sense in the game how they how they came about it. I didn't just hand it to them and say, here, you're going to need this, you know. But they ended up using it, and it only lasts for an hour, but they've, they've ended up actually – really getting to know this goblin because what happened was he he was leading them through the best you know he said i'll take you through and we'll go the fastest easiest way to get to where we need to be and they went through this room that had this evil altar on it and the rogue couldn't keep himself from grabbing things off of this evil altar and of course it awoke a bunch of, of skeletons so they got in this big fight and the goblin got knocked out and the paladin actually healed the goblin. They weren't sure if he was permanently dead or not, so the, he healed the goblin. Well, the the goblin now, when he woke up, he was really mad, and he went off and he killed a couple of the skeletons, and he was like overkill. He's just beating on the, the bones that are now just on the ground. And when he got done with that, he looked at the paladin, and he spoke the name of the paladin's god. Even though he doesn't really speak common, he spoke the name and description of the paladin's god. And now he's acting like he's a paladin, so he had... He had the paladin like 
make a little fake, you know, a, a makeshift, you know, holy symbol. And he'd like, you know, anytime the goblin, the, the paladin says the name of his God, like the goblin perks up and wants to go talk to him. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's turning out to be really funny because they've only got a couple of doses of this stuff left. So they can't really talk to him very well. But what I did was at the table, I actually role played the goblin. And so anything I said was just what the goblin said. So when they asked me something, I took their words for only their literal meaning, and then I spoke back to them with uh, sentences that lacked a certain finesse, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I left. I tried to leave it as vague as possible. And so it was, it was a little bit of a slow process, of course, because I didn't have like a script set up beforehand because I wasn't sure what exactly was going to happen. It was, it was quite enjoyable, actually, and they weren't upset or anything. I mean, they, once they realized, they're like, oh, crap. But it was great because they actually felt like their characters were role-playing, you know. Mm -hmm. And this, a couple of the players here have, have not played D&D before, so it's, it, it's, it's been really enjoyable. So they're, they're about to go down into the second level, which instead of the second level from the Sunless Citadel, which has the Goltheus tree and has all those evil twig blights and all that, they're going down into to the place in Shadowfell Keep where mm -hmm. Calero. Um, and then they're, they're also finding all kinds of clues having to do with uh, some minotaurs and some ancient relics. And so I think what I'm going to do is, is convert Thunderspire Labyrinth, partially at least, it's into... a real mishmash of, of dungeons, yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't want them to be in dungeons all the time. So, you know, they, they've just barely made third level. So when they finish this and they stop the summoning, they're going to end up going back out and going to town. And there's going to be a lot of urban things going on for a couple of sessions. Mm -hmm. And then when they level up a little bit more, then they, then they're probably going to end up going back to try to find out more about this assuming they stop the summoning they're going to have to go figure out how to permanently stop that summoning and that's going to be information that they can get from the seven pillared hall probably and the reason i'm using that is because the well of demons in that particular adventure from fourth edition the well of demons was a particularly good location that works really well with my with my setup right now so that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm getting some experience, a lot of experience actually converting 4th edition stuff over to 5th edition. Uh, and also using Yawning Portal and also converting some Pathfinder stuff. So I'm, it's kind of mishmashy, but uh, it's really fun and it's really working for the group. So we're really happy with it Sweet. so far. Yeah. Um, I was I was worried that goblins would get a little boring, you know. But but the thing is, like, they learn something new about them almost every combat. And this isn't an extremely combat-heavy game because they know there's a huge horde, so they've been really working to avoid a lot of, you know, combats with a lot of creatures. And mm. so that's actually really, it's, it's worked out really well. They could have gotten themselves in deep and, and basically been slaughtered, but they've been playing it really smart for, for a relative group. Going almost covert. Yeah, exactly. Or at least as well as one can do without a party of all rogues, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the issue that they fall into. So, sure. yeah, cool. But yeah, so it's fun. I really like that you're uh, that you're you're taking like Keep of the Shadowfell and dropping it in there. I'm actually, and I can talk about this on my segment. But uh, Keep of the Shadowfell is something I think I'm going to be looking at for mine as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, think, I think that adventure is really underrated. I really liked it. I'm really I tempted to, to go back and because it's one of those shared experience that like everybody who played the edition played that adventure, and I never played that adventure. So it's available for free too. You can download it for free. Yeah, off of Watsi's you know, website. The interesting thing is with converting older older editions, not third edition, but anything previous to third edition, is really super easy converting it to fifth edition. But mm. third edition has has a lot of sort of D twenty isms that you have to call out, and then you have to figure out how to make sure that creature right. still stays interesting and all that. But fourth edition, it's it's really interesting because the biggest problem with fourth edition is not the creature's abilities because you can easily mimic those in fifth edition without straining credibility or breaking mm -hmm. rules but what's different is the amount of creatures that you would fight in fourth edition mm. was often a lot larger than what the party was right mm -hmm. and that's really tough in particular to right yeah, in, in 5th edition, it's really hard to do that because basically anytime you get one more creature on either side, it gives that side a really big you know advantage 
in that fight. Even if the creatures are, are pretty weak, if there's one or two more of them than there are of the party, the party's at a severe disadvantage for the first couple of rounds, mm. at least, uh, at minimum. Is it uh, is it possible to kind of... I mean, I think that's in, particularly in case because of minions, and minions are really intended to be a right. lot easier. Yep. Can you either yep. create minions just by having one hit point 5e monsters and or... Uh, reduce the monsters that they're fighting, just like assume three to one or something. Yeah, I mean, I, so that's what I'm kind of playing around with. I found that I haven't had any large combats with them because they keep, you know, they learned really quickly and they avoided a, a lot of that. But what I kind of decided was I'd have like a one hit minion and they would have very, you know, a very few ability to, you know, a low ability to damage. Because mm-hmm. the thing with minions was they were Double only dangerous because they, they did a decent damage. Mm-hmm. And so even though you could get rid of them and wade through them, they still did a lot of damage. But in 5e, the characters are very squishy. So you can't really, you can't do that damage to them. You ha- so you can make a one-hit minion, but you have to reduce the damage a great deal. So I'm still I'm still kind of working through it. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, I know. I, um, I, I ran a whole um, adventure league season with my after school gaming club group uh that was a fourth edition adventure only i ran it in 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 fifth and i mostly either converted on the fly or found a pretty close equivalent in the monster in the fifth edition monster manual um so that that's how i did the whole thing but it also wasn't super combat heavy um you know because those things you know they're short little sessions you'll get maybe get in one or so one or two combats per per chapter or whatever Right. Um, so right. the only thing that was a big combat was at the end, and I also had like uh, a party of twelve middle schoolers in my in my group. So, so <laughs> yeah. I didn't worry too much about numbers because there were just so many of them, you know. So right. yeah, and again, I mean, it's not actually the the, the creatures themselves because fourth edition creatures with their you know they actually do well to sort of. It's actually really nice. Their their little individual powers. You can easily separate them and make them distinct. It it really is just the number. It, mm-hmm. It's really not like so. It's not a, a matter of converting, you know, types of creatures. I mean, you yeah, you could say, oh, that's a goblin fourth edition. I'll just use the fifth edition goblin. But mm-hmm. it's not even that. It's more about you know the the numbers, the numbers that are yeah. listed, you know, in the in the adventures, you know, in the encounters in mm-hmm. the adventures. Which is, you know, it. I mean, for problems to have, that's a that's a pretty easy one to deal with. So, yep. You know what? Nobody ever has too much of dice. Which brings me dice. to my to our new sponsor, uh, EasyRollerDice.com. If you head over to EasyRollerDice.com, you're going to find a a small little dice company that's got all kinds of awesome dice, including the metal dice, which look really cool. Uh, it's you know in, in special cases, uh, pretty much every set of dice looks like it comes with a uh, a free dice bag as well. They've got all kinds of gaming accessories and trays and and all that kind of stuff. Plus beard oil because that's a thing that's cool. Um, so so they got all kinds of cool <laughs> stuff over there. And if you use the coupon code Tome T O M E on checkout, you'll get an additional fifteen percent off your order. So you should all go check out easyrollerdice.com uh, and, and can I can I talk about them a little bit? Do you know them? I do. They sponsor Sly Flourish. They have for like over a year. Oh yeah, tell us about. I them. have I, so uh, I, I like I, I have my own little box of Easy Roller dice uh, that I got through their first Kickstarter. I think mm-hmm. so. They uh, they they did send me a free sample of some of their dice because of the sponsorship with Sly Flourish. But I also backed both of their Kickstarters, and their metal dice are just awesome. And they come in a great little case. I, I stuck my inspiration tokens in there, and I just—it's my like little DM kit for dice. I just love it. That's awesome. Uh, really high quality stuff, reasonably priced. Great, great folks. Nice. Cool. Easyrollerdice.com. Go check it out. Like dice. Need more dice? Check out easyrollerdice.com for amazing dice, including their gunmetal and rose gold collections. When you visit, make sure to use coupon code TOME, that's T-O-M-E, at checkout and save 15% immediately. Again, go to EasyRollerDice.com and use code TOME at checkout and save 15% and snag yourself some great dice and gaming accessories. All right, and we are back and it's my turn. So, uh, start my timer. Um, so here's the thing. I, I had finals week, (laughs) finals, I guess, (laughs) month, if you will. 
uh, and things came up, and I haven't had a game since the last time we recorded. Uh, well, <gasps> let me rephrase. I haven't had my regular at-my-house game with adults since we last played. Uh, I have sort of thought through and done some prep. Last time we talked about the, the travel from Mantal Dareth to Graven Hollow and how I was getting kind of tired of, mm-hmm. of the constant, you know, a whole session of random encounters kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to, to sort of emulate th- that experience um, without actually doing it all. So what I basically did was I rolled up like 30 days of random encounters which I will then like sort of summarize, you know, here are some of the, the highlights of what happened. Uh, you know, X number of NPCs died. You guys pick who it was, you know, uh, and you know, sort of do sort of resource management that way without having to to spend, you know, six hours dealing with random encounters as they travel from point A to point B. So so that's kind of what I planned on and what I've prepped for. I've also started thinking about what I'm going to do when, when they get to Graven Hollow. Um, we're getting in now into the parts of Out of the Abyss that uh, that Mike does not have any experience with, right? It stopped right after the halfway point. They never got to the Brunor, yeah, the Brunor section. Yeah, so so the the Graven Hollow like location is really interesting and cool to me. It's this it's this uh, library where you know all things are known or whatever, and there's it's run by these three. Uh, stone giants, and one of them represents all the records of the past, one the present, one the future sort of thing. Uh, and while you're there, you end up having these weird visions of people who have visited the location in the past and people who haven't visited the location yet. Uh, and so it's, it's, you, know, you, you end up interacting with people from different points in time all there and i thought that is an like in the actual adventure they they do things like have a little throw in a little cameo of you know oh there's elminster looking through a book sort of thing right and you can interact with him briefly and, and all these kinds of things um i was thinking it would be a really good opportunity to this is where we insert some story that they don't otherwise know right because part of the the big story of of my campaign is some sort of weird apocalypse happened, you know, to the earth years ago that also created, you know, magic and different, you know, fantasy races and what have you, monsters and all that. Uh, and so I thought, you know, so that's one of the big mysteries. Are they're kind of slowly revealing what happened and what's going on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to introduce some of that stuff as well and bring in um, some some visions of characters past and present. And that's when it occurred to me, I, I sort of had the end in mind. I oftentimes get into a campaign like this with this big idea and then I have a vision of the end, of, of how it all, you know, the last scene sort of thing. Uh, which, you know, sometimes comes to fruition, sometimes doesn't. But my, my vision for the end of this storyline is after having gone through all of Out of the Abyss and getting rid of the Demon Lords and having gone through um, um, Princes of the Apocalypse and, and stopping um, the release of the Elemental Princes, um, they end up then going on and focusing on the Rod of Seven Parts with Mishka the Wolf Spider because in my mind, uh, you know, the unspeakable evil and Thera's done and Mishka the Wolf Spider are all sort of representatives of this horrible evil chaos that even the gods had to, had to combine together to chain up, right? So they're all, I've decided they're all the same thing. Right? So all these stories are actually related around this central figure who's the big bad. So eventually they end up with the Rod of Seven Parts. And, and the way that adventure goes, you, you unite the Rod, you go into Mishka's prison, and you use the Rod to finally and, and thoroughly kill Mishka. Uh, at which point the Rod explodes and, and all the pieces spread out again. And my vision was that actually that event is combined with some other things that they've started to pick up on. That event is going to be the cause of the apocalypse in the past. So, so you get this, this weird you know, time loop going on, right? They, th- because of the apocalypse, they were set on, on the course of this adventure, which led to them thus creating the apocalypse uh, and, and this be, by the rod of seven parts exploding um, and then you know, barreling through uh, existence itself and, and reemerging back in the past because... Humans back then, you know, saw this sort of cosmic meteors or whatever and tried to harness it for energy and it ended up just attracting it to Earth, right? It's, it's all this thing. And I've got this vision that the warlock will be the one holding the rod now because he's, it turns out, he's the one that's been really anxious to collect, start collecting pieces of the rod. So the warlock character who took the, the Pact of the Undying from uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Are you guys familiar with that one? Yep. Familiar uh, a little bit. 
Yeah, so that's the that's the pact where your mentor or whatever is the or your patron is is like this this undying undead you know entity being whatever, um, and it, and so I let them sort of create parts of the setting and the that patron is the founder of one of the the countries that makes up the the free realms, which is the wor- the part of the world that they're from, which is a, is a, that- is a ring of islands in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. That that pact, uh, if I remember correctly, it kind of leaves it up up to the player slash DM if it's like a god figure or right. just some really powerful like demon or or undead or, or lich or whatever yeah. essence or yeah okay yeah so that's the one I'm thinking right of, yeah. so it turns out that it turns out that that it, the founder of this realm who's the only one of the founders who's alive because these these free realms were founded you know hundreds of years ago um, but of course he's undead or undying anyway. Um, so he's still around and he's been manipulating the warlock character to, towards his goals, which involves reuniting the rod of seven parts. And it occurred to me, I could have like past version of him appear in Graven hollow. And, and I, and I ended up developing this whole concept in my head that if the warlock is the one who's collecting the pieces and he's holding the rod when it explodes and barrels backwards through time, what if the warlock himself ended up going backwards in time and then lived that whole time and became his own mentor? And he's trying to do all of this stuff in order to finally become get free of this fate because he hasn't been able to change, you know, what was going to happen because it, it, was, it was all already determined because it had already happened to him. Uh, so he's just trying to manipulate all this stuff to have happened to send his, his younger self back into the past so that he can finally be free and, and make his own free choices again. So that's that's my, my my thoughts now, and that so they'll have some weird visions in Graven Hollow of of the younger version of, of that character slash older version of the player character um, in Graven Hollow doing things, looking things up, and and what have you, which I thought could lead to some really weird mysteries of them trying to figure it out. And of course, as always, if they end up going left when I expected them to go right, and none of that works out, now I've just given myself a new wrinkle to figure out, and it, and, it, and, that, and that spurs on creativity, right? Thoughts. That's my vision before I talk about my after school group. I want to. I want to run Graven Hollow in my game with the giants because <laughs> I forgot about it. Yeah, Graven Hollow is cool and it's got giants, so it could fit. Yeah, and I think. I think. Uh, yeah, I've got some ideas. There you go. Yeah, that sounds fun. Does the Does the player have any inkling at all that uh, he's his own? future self past he, he, he self, doesn't yet the... he doesn't yet because that idea only just occurred to me and i haven't laid any any hints at that and that so i'm planning to use graven hollow as the first opportunity to lay that that, that groundwork nice can i can i offer unsolicited I, is it solicited advice it's, it's solicited that's the whole point of the podcast first of all advice is yes <laughs> as we know a thought i will offer a thought yes and and some experience I know that um, so so I would leave I would leave myself lots of, of empty space in that idea and not necessarily plan too much. Oh no, you've heard um, the, you've heard literally the extent of all of my yeah, plans. <laughs> yeah, so. and, and, and keeping it flexible. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, I think is key. I did I did a little bit of time travely stuff in my fourth edition big Orcus game, which was you know as we t- we talked about keeping the Shadowfell, all those adventures at the end you fight Orcus, and I threw a little time travely aspect to it. That wasn't exactly time travel. It was, but a little bit more than just like sort of seeing time loops in mm-hmm. you know in kind of visions where essentially there was like a pillar that you know or this like pillar of of some weird substance, and essentially anything you left in there could be retrieved at any time past or future oh. you know and it was it was kind of and the only reason i had that is because i basically had a creature that had been designed to kill the player characters uh like a thousand years before anybody knew the player characters would be born mm-hmm. and i was like well how do they know this well they knew it because calorel the you know the the evil villain who i think is the villain in um uh, keep it a shadow fell mm-hmm. kept a journal of them and wrote it and stuck it in this place which means an earlier version of him could read it and build this monster that's awesome. Yeah, no, no, and I, yeah, I, I don't, and I don't know that. Like, I've been in some campaigns that that um, listeners of the show might know McCoy, who's been on several Tome Show uh, shows before. Yeah, uh, Jeremiah McCoy. Uh, so I, he ran a campaign that ended up being about time travel. But but I have this vision of doing it a little less time travel than what he did, um, but at the same time, um, I'm inspired by some of that because we as the players didn't realize that time travel was even the thing that we were doing until it was already done and it was the, like the conclusion of the campaign. 
Um, so, so time travel is not going to be a major feature, but it's definitely going to be like a thing that that makes the story possible. So, so yeah. Anyway, uh, beyond that, I have been playing with my after-school gaming group. Uh, I don't talk about them much, usually for lack of time, but since I didn't have a game in the other group, I, I can talk about them a little bit. Um, I have the issue, like I mentioned before, of way too many players. Uh, I have anywhere from 10 to 15 players in any given week. Um, uh, inspired by the ideas of uh, the D&D Jester. Uh, we all know him, right? Yep. So Dave Gibson. Uh, D&D uh, &D Jester over on Twitter, uh, we, he and I were tweeting back and forth a little bit, and he gave me the idea of, oh, well, why don't you run him through the Tomb of Horrors, take their existing characters, because we finished that 4th edition Adventures League thing, and I was trying to figure out what to do, take their existing characters or make new ones if they want to, level them up to, to um, I think I picked 15, because Tomb of Horror doesn't, act, doesn't actually give you a level. Um, mm -hmm. It's just sort of like, I don't know, it's high level, pick something. So <laughs> I, I went, stick, in, stick in your arm into like a destructive orb. It right. happens at all levels. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and there's not a lot of combat there anyway, so it's not a huge deal. So I went with 15. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of magical uh, finagling you can do there, and but not so much that it, you know, completely obliterates some of the, the trickier parts. Um, and so I've got this group of, of 12 kids, and I'm running everything basically in rounds. I've got uh, – I tried really hard to make uh, Roll20 work, and I, I – fought with it and i talked to james and tracasso from um, um um tabletop babble and and the don't split the podcast network and all that i talked to him um uh, uh, to get some help a little bit and, and i fought with it and i worked with it and i finally got roll 20 figured out and i bought the module and I, I was ready to go and then i went to school to set it up and and discovered that roll 20 is blocked at my school because <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna like project the whole thing because you kind of need a map for that adventure because like what specific square you stand on could like have an effect you know, yeah. Uh, so I needed the map or something. So so I was fighting with it. And I didn't want to just just sort of do the whiteboard sketch that I've done with previous maps because the you know, position mattered and whatever. Um, so eventually, since that fell through, I found a PDF on uh, Drive Through RPG of um, somebody had made of the from the map of the original Two of Horrors. And since they basically didn't change anything for the Yawning Portal version, um, <laughs> I just I, I printed that as a PDF one, and you just cut out the pieces, and you know I'm just taping them together as they go into different rooms and whatever. So, and I'm using a, a set of magnets, and I used a you know just a dry erase marker to. to put initials on each magnet so to represent the different characters and so that's their miniature so mm -hmm. so i'm just going uh, going around the the circle every time and the idea is whoever survives the longest is the quote winner um uh, we are two mm -hmm. sessions in the first session um they didn't get out of the first room like you know how there's three entrances to the Tomb of horrors and two of them are, are, are false yeah. entrances and one of them is the real right. one so they they thoroughly explored the two false ones <laughs> uh, and started to explore the actual real entrance, but didn't actually get through it in the first session. Um, didn't, nice. didn't the false entrances automatically kill you? No. So one of them, if you mess with the doors, like the ceiling collapses on you and it does a bunch of damage. The other one's tricky for us right now because um, you you mess with the doors and like a giant stone wall closes and it's impossible to open. Hmm. And, and the character just sort of got trapped. So I have one character who's actually trapped behind this giant stone wall. And, right. and then the second session was only there for like 10 minutes and they had to go home because he wasn't feeling well. <laughs> so the rest of the party just abandoned him and left him there. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. So I'm like, well, what do I do with this poor kid who like basically got left behind because he wasn't there? <laughs> and nobody expended any sort of magical resources to dimension Dorian and grab him or anything. Um, so that poor kid's going to show up and just sort of slowly starve to death. I mean, I guess he might technically win and die last because it takes a while to starve to death, right? <laughs> right. Or suffocate, I guess. Right. Yeah. So... So um, they finally made it to the to the end of that entryway where you got the the green devil face right with the the sphere of annihilation the, the classic trap uh, in the mouth spoiler alert I guess for people who don't know the Tomb of Horrors from the 1970s um, and then the the archway with the mist on the other side and if you uh, you know you're intended to activate or deactivate the mist and then go through and it teleports you to another space and uh, then it takes you to another big hall and there's a gargoyle with four arms but one of them is broken and they've just sort of ignored that and moved on. Um, they're they're trying to get as far as they can and survive. They're not really interested in like investigating things, which could come back right. to bite them later. But then there was a few people still left behind in the original hall, and what and one what they got this idea in their head because they don't know the tropes, right? So they got this idea in their head: Hey, if if this archway teleported us into one place, 
I bet the the devil mouth teleports somewhere else. Oh yeah, no. right. You're right. And so they're, they're like they're like, "Hey kid, uh, you know, go check out what's what's in that teleportation area, right?" And so he's like, "All right." And, and he has a he had a character a um, a gnome what was he a gnome barbarian named Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and he's like, all right, Shy is going to swan dive into the mouth. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm like, all right, well, there's nothing left of Shio. There's our first casualty, you know? <laughs> oh, see, I w- did you tell them that he disappeared? Because they might have thought he teleported away then. Uh, no, no, no. I, I told them he disappeared. And the other people are like, uh-oh, what's going on? And and they they were a little more leery about it and, and ended up going <laughs> through the archway. And so nobody else followed him in. <laughs> There were only like two people left in the hallway anyway, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, only nobody followed him in. But uh, I, I told him he can, you know, he can come back and be sort of my co-DM and, and roll my dice for me or whatever because he's our first casualty. I keep a, a a scoreboard, if you will. I have a little mini whiteboard that I, I keep behind me mm-hmm. uh, in front of my the big whiteboard where I'm taping up all the ma- maps and everything. And I have every character's name and their hit point total. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. sort of our, it's sort of our scoreboard, so we can watch it tick down. And we actually got into a. a a party fight at one point in the middle of the last uh, session because somebody somebody tried to push somebody else into the devil mouth and they're like, hey, screw you. And it turned into a fight and then somebody else jumped in to defend another one of them and it was a whole thing. And I'm like, hey, this only serves my purposes. Go ahead, you know? Wow. So and now now most of them, yeah, I think all of them at this point are in the, are in the next sort of grand hallway with the the painted colored orbs on the, on the sides and they haven't figured out what the heck to do there. And there's another... You know, uh, archway with with mist uh, there, and they don't know. They nobody's experimented with that yet, and I look forward to seeing what happens when they do, because that's the one that teleports you naked back to the beginning. Right, right. And so I'm I'm curious. So so when you teleport somebody naked back to the beginning, do I expect them to just give up, or are they going to catch up and and play naked? <laughs> you know, just, yeah, try to catch up. <laughs> I guess, but you're almost certainly going to die then, right? You don't. Okay. Well, I don't know. It depends. Well, we'll so if they go home and uh, and sit by the fire and and get warm clothes on again and just hang out until they die of natural causes, will they win because they no, died last? No, I don't think I can let that person win. <laughs> so, and I've just got checking. some, I, I, yeah, no, and I've got some ideas for for prizes that are going to go with them. I don't know if I want to talk about it here because I know at least one of the the kids listens to the podcast, so uh, they yeah. might hear it. So, uh, but I've got, yeah, I've got some prize ideas for whoever survives the longest. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good time. But my time right so you, now. Yeah, go you're, ahead. you're gonna have a massive TPK of all twelve uh, middle schoolers. That's the that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So if not, I mean, if somehow they make it all the way to the Sarah, first of all, I don't think they will because I don't think we'll have time. <laughs> like time yeah. will run out with the school year will end. Uh, yeah, we've already yeah. got a few Fridays we're gonna miss because of you know uh, work, teacher work days or whatever. So. Um, there's only so many weeks left, uh, so we'll see how far we can get. And so yeah. who, I guess when we get to the end, we'll maybe just have the kids vote on, okay, who do you think wins or whatever, and I'll give them the prize. Yeah. But, but yeah. So, hey, yeah. as long as everybody's having fun, that'll be cool. Yeah, that's the idea. Right? Oh, and, and I was worried about the first death or whatever, so I'm like, hey, you know, it's still early. What, what are they going to do for the next month or so of, of, of the meetings or whatever? Uh, and this kid was having a blast with it. He said, oh, that was awesome. So he was, you know, he was, he was all into it. Yeah, cool. So, yep. So that was me. Uh, before we move on to uh, the, the the DM that everybody's been waiting for, Mike Shea, I want to remind everybody to <laughs> that if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Tome Show and support us just like Stephen Robertson, Doug, Doug Palmer, and Mark have. Uh, so head on over there. Be like those awesome fellows and support the show. Plus, you know, you get a little hint as to things that are coming up and what we're talking about. I'm going to head over there tonight, hopefully, and, and post the question of what the uh, what class we should look out for look at for our next uh, advice episode. So uh, so that's happening, and get over there. You can you can be part of the part of the conversation. Also, if you can if you want to support us, but not want to just you know give us money like that, uh, you can go shopping like you always do anyway. Go to Amazon or DMs Guild through the links on thetomeshow.com, and they it puts a little cookie on your on your browser, and it knows that you came from us, and uh, we'll get a little cut of anything you you buy when you shop, and it's otherwise an identical experience for you. So you can support us that way as well. Mike Shay, yeah, tell us about your game. Oh, man. So I'm running two games. Uh, as you know, both are uh, Storm King's Thunder. 
Uh, one is Interim, one is Harper, and in both of them, I'm starting to inject a lot of weird stuff. So in my Wednesday game, um, they have uh, joined up with Clouth, the sage of Clouth and Vale, who is in fact an ancient red dragon, quite a mischievous and powerful ancient red dragon. And he... Uh, He's the one being wooed by the, the cult of the dragon? Yeah, right. So the cult of the dragon, he's got like dragon cultists who work for him. And he's like, hey, I want you to go schlep these adventurers around. So now the new red dragon speaker, the red, uh, what, the worm speaker, mm. the new mm. red worm speaker is like a taxi service for the adventurers. And they kind of <laughs> like, you know, and, and you know, she's cool. So they went after uh, the cloud giants and they found out that the cloud giants were hunting down powerful artifacts lost during the Astorian Wars. 35,000 years ago. And one of the places where they were looking is a castle uh, known as Castle Mukos. And upon uh, assaulting the cloud giants, they found old pages of lore and found out that Castle Mukos is but one location of a few, including White Plume Mountain. Hmm. So uh, they have just, they, 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 all the players got super excited. Oh, we're going to go to White Plume Mountain. And they went to White Plume Mountain, and they are now crawling through White Plume Mountain, which about 30, 20, 20 Zents went in ahead of them. Like, a, you know, the Zents apparently are also seeking the artifacts. And uh, so the, I replaced, like, all the NPCs that are normally inside uh, White Plume Mountain with Zinterim, mm. uh, including uh, members of the Seven Snakes. So they got to see the members of the Seven Snakes again, although they kind of left them. The Seven Snakes were hanging out in the room with the weird water you know, river, the floating river. Remind people what the, the seven snakes are. Seven snakes are these interim group that attacked um, or that were involved in Nightstone in the first mission, in the first part of Storm King's Thunder. Uh, Zulkin, Zulkin is their leader. And, mm-hmm. and to me, they're, I've, I've been treating them like the gangs from Gangs of, uh, or Sons of Anarchy. Oh, so, man. you know, I, I replaced like all of them with, you know, members of Sons of Anarchy. Um, at least in my head, right? And until the character, and until any of the players said, of course. Uh, but that way, I've got like in my mind, I know kind of how they act and what they're like, and they're just sort of happy go like. Well, the party has had both antagonistic and then fine relationships with them, and then this time they were like they couldn't decide if they one group was going to kill the other, so they just agreed to leave each other alone. You know, across they they were like yelling through a tunnel, you know, between two big chambers, and they're like, "You come out!" And like, "No, you come out!" <laughs> All right, never mind. We'll just leave you there. <laughs> So they, they just left them there. Um, I did change one thing where they went into the giant crab room, and instead of a giant crab, I had I still had the big bubble, but inside the bubble was a storm giant slave who has a big collar uh, that he that, like a slave collar that did two things. One, it bound him to Caraptus, and two is it uh, made him immortal. So he's been down there for like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's the guardian of the uh, of of Wave. So the party fought him and killed him and got Wave, and then they had this like weird necklace and like, well, should we put it on? Like, I don't think that's such a good idea. Like, <laughs> I could be immortal, but then I'm bound to some entity I don't really know anything about. Um, so, uh, but they they got Wave. They have Black Razor. Uh, Black Razor was just given to the monk. So one, I've changed the items because they're crazy. They're they're, they're too crazy powerful. Um, so I changed Black Razor, so right now it's a sword, a plus two sword of sharpness, and then it can, if they fulfill a quest, it will become something more powerful. Um, but right, one of its powers is it can shift itself into any size blade. You know, it doesn't have to be a great sword. It could be a great sword, it could be a long sword, it could be a short sword. So they gave it to the monk, and it, now it's sword, short sword size, so that the monk can use it, and and pretty powerful. Mm. Uh, Wave is a trident of fish command that also uh, bestows its bonus as an armor class bonus and can, uh, I don't know if it does anything else right now, but, but you know, the nice thing is there, our wizard has it and it's fine. It's a fine wizard thing, even though he doesn't stab anything with it. Have you seen the, uh, the artwork that Claudio Posis did for, for wizards for those weapons? <sighs> I don't know. Are they in the book? The, the, I don't think think so maybe but i don't think so they but the, he they did a, a triptych with it of the three of them huh. uh i don't I remember if, i don't remember yeah. if it's in the book and i don't have the book handy with me yeah i don't know if i have okay it's cool uh i i, I really wish i was more into that adventure or uh you know 
I would totally buy myself a copy and frame it, but I'm like, ah, I've never even run White Plume Mountain. <laughs> I have no it's experience fun. with these. It's, you know, I, I mean, I, I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, there it is. Yeah, these are the ones that are inside. Is, is that these from the inside, um, the ones that are used inside the book? Yeah, so he did he did this one print of it of all three of them together. Yeah. That looks really cool. Yeah, they're really nice. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, uh, uh, so that group has been going through White Plume Mountain. Uh, where the hell is the other group? I can never, you know, I'll tell you, keeping track of two different groups. Be, be tough. Um, <laughs> Running the same adventure simultaneously, yeah. Oh, they're doing crazy. So they they had, the, and this is an interesting conversation piece, I think. Um, so they have, they, they went to an, uh, Grood Hog and fought the hill giants and killed them. I think, did I tell you about the goblin that had the, um, the portable hole on its tongue? I don't think so. That sounds like I would remember that. Yeah. So there was the the leader of the hill giants was a goblin, and the goblin had a uh, portable hole on its tongue and was out eating all of the giants because (laughs) it was a portable hole. And there was actually an entire like town living inside the portable hole that the goblin had eaten when it enlarged (laughs) itself. And and they're just hanging out and cooking fires and food continues to rain from the sky and they'll cook the food and you know so they're surviving down there. But meanwhile, like the hill giants were eating themselves to death trying to out eat this goblin and couldn't do it. Uh, so they the party beat the goblin. Uh, I think they you know and they they could have allied with the goblin. They chose to kill it, uh, or I think they yeah I think they killed the goblin and they found a gnome or no a halfling there named White Feather and White Feather is another Zinterim handler like Gemna Gleamsilver. And Whitefeather says, you know, Gemna Gleamsilver is never going to really give you any money. You're never going to be a partner. And she's probably going to send you to your death. I, on the other hand, will treat you like a partner. You know, you'll get percentages of your of your results. You will, you know, we will work together. And all you have to do is come to Daggerford with me. And uh, we have, you know, I know somebody who can who can help with the whole giant thing. And I know somebody who's going to give us great profits uh, by accessing portals that were left behind by the red wizards of Thay when they tried to do an invasion here about 10 years ago uh i know somebody who knows about these portals just meet me in daggerford so now the party's like well should we go back to gemna gleam silver or should we go meet this gnome or the meet uh, meet this white feather fella and they're continually trying to work both angles they're like well we'll tell jean we'll go they went and met with gemna gleam silver she said okay go to this swamp and meet a um uh, I forget what her name is, like you know, Burning Heart or something, uh, Flame Heart. Who this, this uh, is the this is the Zent group. This is a, yeah, they're okay. Zent group. So they have to choose like which Zent handler do we want to work right. with, right? Like <laughs> who's our new boss, essentially? Yeah. And well, and and, and, they, and I imagine they want to play both sides until they figure out which one is the rising star, right? Which one's going to? Yeah, right, the, right, right. And so they're they're constantly like you know, so so Gemna said, go meet this person. This person will give you a lift. You'll meet the sage Clouth. And Cloth will tell you what the hell is going on with the giants. And you got to meet, you know, they'll be at this place in this swamp for the next 10 day. And if you got to meet them then. And they're like, well, 10 day is a, a 10 day is fast enough that we can get to Daggerford and find out what Whitefeather wants and then get back to the other place. So um, they decided to go down to Daggerford. They met with Whitefeather. Whitefeather said, Whitefeather is having like dinner with the snail, who's another Zen agent that happens to be in Daggerford. And as soon as dinner's up, he's talking to the party. He says, yeah, I need you to go kill the snail. So uh, they assassinate. <laughs> I'm skipping parts, but they assassinate the snail, and and then they. Oh, it was so great! So one of the best scenes was, he said, "Okay, I need you to go co- go assassinate the snail, and I and then come back here, and we have a dinner party tonight. And it's going to be fancy, so make sure to dress up." So they had to spend like a thousand gold pieces buying really, really, really nice clothes, <laughs> and and there was one part where they're in the bottom of this orcish crypt that had been blown up with multiple fireballs. They're covered in soot and blood. They just murdered this other Zent agent. There's dead people all over. And one of them's like, man, we got to get back to an inn. We have a fancy dinner in like two hours, you know? (laughs) So yeah, it's really fun. So then they went back and they had dinner with, uh, um, uh, Merwin Daggerford, the, the current, uh, ruler of Daggerford. And she's very flirtatious. Is is his name really Merwin or did you make that up? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's Merwin, right? Mer, Merlin, Mer, Marion, something like that. I'm just curious if it was named after Sean, but okay. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I gotta look. It up should be name. named after Sean, darn it! That guy's done a lot. So. Yeah, it should be. But I don't think it's named. After. So it's a woman, 
Um, and she's the current like queen of Daggerford, current current ruler of Daggerford, Lady Lady Merwin Daggerford, I think her name is. Yeah. And uh, so there, she's talking to him, and she says, you know, I would love, I I do have this information about these old portals. Uh, I don't, I can't really exploit them myself. All I need you to do is go to this other place. There's an assassin there, a doppelganger that they're trying to de- they're trying to depose me and replace me with a doppelganger. And I need you to to go stop this. And you have to kill the doppelganger. And if you happen to kill the family that's harboring the doppelganger, that's okay too. But I can't, you know, I can't trust my own people to do this because it could get confused and it could be problems. So I bring in an outsiders. And I, from what I understand, you guys are good at handling situations like this, right? And the party's like all different kinds of people, but they're pretty brutish. So they're like, yeah. So one of the party members is this crazy like red dragon sorcerer guy who's just violent and, and insane and she says could you just stay around a little while and he says yeah sure so everyone else goes home goes back to the inn he sticks around and she starts totally flirting with him and says like i just saw this connection between you and i you're just so powerful and strong and i just sense and he's like okay and then she <laughs> she goes and kisses him and i'm like roll like a saving and everyone at the party's like oh you know you're gonna get screwed. he's like yeah i don't care this is great so he rolls like a saving throw, and he totally saves. He rolls like a 20 on his wisdom saving throw, right? So she pulls back from this kiss, and she's a succubus, right? And, he, and he's, he's looking at her, and she looks at him in succubus form, and she's like, well, this is awkward. And he goes, yeah, but it's not a deal breaker. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you're a succubus or not. You know, we don't, we're not real picky here in this interim. So they're like, you know, we don't care that you're really not the Lady Merwin Daggerford. That doesn't matter to us. We'll still you do your job, whatever that happens to be. So, you know, he came back home with like his shirt inside out and, you know, his hair all disheveled because he spent the entire night hanging out with the succubus. And um, yeah, so their next step is then to go to this other castle and find the doppelganger. And of course, spoilers, the doppelganger is the actual Lady Merwin Daggerford. So then they're going to have to make a choice. Do we actually murder the real queen? And keep the doppel and keep the the succubus as queen, and the reason, of course, that the succubus knows about the portals that the red wizards had put in place is because she came through them. Right? She is she was one of the agents of the red wizards. So that's kind of fun, you know. It's this whole fun story. But what yeah. I so the question I have, and this is a really interesting one, is I think either I have the conception of, or or I've heard that players really like to have lots of different choices that are meaningful and matter. But in experience, they never want to make the choices, right? They don't want to cut off. If you say, like, you have three choices, you can go, you know, in Icewind Dale, you can go chase down the uh, uh, the Frost Maiden, you know, the 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 the, uh, the avatar of the Frost Maiden. You can go to the Dwarven Mines and figure out why they're corrupted, or you can, you know, go handle the barbarian tribes that are going crazy. And by the way, whichever one you go for, the other two are going to be moving forward. That's paralyzing. Do you guys find this? Yeah. Um, um, so I mean, let me let me interrupt yeah, before you answer. So on page fourteen of Scourge of the Sword Coast, it talks about Duke Maldwin Daggerford and Lady Morwin. Morwin. So yeah, Morwin. Yeah. So the, uh, okay, never mind. So that's <laughs> that's who it was. But she 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 did not turn into a succubus. Uh, a succubus. Go ahead. A succubus came through a portal. Is that what you're? I mean, you know, you know me, yeah. man. I don't follow yeah. any of your crazy ass, you know, canon. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. <laughs> I, I was just no, no. I was just, I was just curious because I think that's cool. But how did she? So, what the real lady Morwen? Now they're going to have to kill. Is that what I? I don't know. Understood? The, you know, you, the, 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 that that's I'm. All I know is that another Baroness. Who's at Crom's Hold? This is in Storm King's Thunder, by the way. All, yeah. Most of the lines in Storm King's Thunder. A Baroness and at Crom's like Baroness, and I think her name is Crom, at a place yeah. called Crom's Hold has the actual Lady Merwin Daggerford on ice, like she's right. there in okay. a prison or something. Yeah. <laughs> and nice. the other, yeah, the succubus wants the, him, them to go there and kill her, you know, mm-hmm. so that that she doesn't have to worry about her reign. And by the way, kill the Baroness because the Baroness wants to try to take over Daggerford herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how they go about that i have no idea what they're going to do yeah 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 no in terms of like you give them you know multiple decision points or whatever and and figuring having them figure out where to go and whatever uh i guess i've had pretty good luck with that in my current uh campaign you know because i've got this mashup and especially early on there was a lot of like well 
I'm seeding three or four different storylines at every every adventure. Now it's like I try to throw something in to at least remind you that that other adventure is a thing. Um, if not, try to pull you away to there because like you're in the middle of the underdog now. You're clearly going to do this thing until you see it through. Um, but but there was a time that that I certainly did a lot of like here are your here are the different seeds right and I wasn't super like I didn't say like here are the different seeds but it was you know okay you're leaving Tribor uh, you've heard of you know three or four different things that you might need to deal with which one are you going after right and let them sort of debate and discuss um, where to where to head and and they made the decision in terms of you know what was important to them uh, mm-hmm. but none of them were like urgent like a village is going to be destroyed. Hundreds of people will die if you make the wrong choice sort of decisions. You know, all mm-hmm. of them, all of them were a little more, um, I don't want to say tame, but, but all of them were, were less urgent than that. Like one person it was more about which direction do they want to go yeah. rather than who are they saving and who are they letting die? Right. So, so, so I, I mean, occasionally I like to make them make those sort of moral choices, but I don't like that to be the norm with these kinds of situations. Cause you're right. They'll, they'll freeze up. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and that's sort of the the issue you're running into is that they're just freezing up. Yeah, they just they they don't want to make the choice. Like everything they can do to try to keep all the options open, they're doing. Well, you know, and which I guess is fully acceptable. But it's like you know, at some point, there's like long conversations where they're just they don't want to say, okay, I guess we're going with White Feather. Well, and and I guess there's there's a point where that's that's okay and that's smart, right? Um, right. They're not going to go with White Feather. They're going to keep yeah, the, I mean, the option Jeff open. Yeah, dangerous and. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like they're walking a fine line there and and not choosing is also a choice to to paraphrase Rush. Right. Um, uh, Not choosing is also a choice. And eventually that could very well blow up in their face, too. There's consequences to that decision. Uh, Here's sorry to interrupt you. Here's how I look at that. Um, I think. You know, it's fine if they sort of dither and dather and they, they don't really they, – they want to wait as long as possible to make a choice because they are afraid of the consequences. I think that's okay as long as – at least for my style, the way, I, the way I sort of do things, that's okay with me as long as there's not a punishment associated with not choosing something. You know, I mean, not choosing it is punishment enough. Like the consequences of whatever will happen because they didn't choose thing A, that's mm-hmm. that is the punishment itself. And then they get to go do deal with thing B and thing C, and and that there there are rewards associated with that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they got out of the the sort of consequences of thing A, but there was no extra punishment. You know right. what I mean? Right. Uh, and I'd be really interested to find out what happens when when Gemna finds out that they're working with White Feather as well, and then approaches them to like become a double agent, you know, because they're yeah, both they're right, both right. sort of on their eyes. Like yeah. like let the story flow from those natural consequences sure. without like punishing them for not making a decision, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like, if if you if and I I don't think you do this because just because I know your style, but it, let's say a DM out there do, like decides, oh, that would be the coolest one, and then their players dither dather, but then they decide to do a different one. Right. If that DM punishes those players, oh, yeah. never... it's gonna it's gonna train the players that there is actually one that is the quote right one to yeah. pick, right. and that's what they'll end up dithering and dathering about, not actually yeah. the story and the story reasons that would cause them to pick something. To and this... that's what I'm sort talking about to ward against yeah. that don't don't let that happen to right. put this into yeah, a mic to put this into a mike shea metaphor that dm has has set up their their mental dwarven forge so you know that encounter is going to happen <laughs> right yeah. and you're better off if you're going to do that you're better off railroading them right? sure. yeah just don't give them a just choice, yeah. choice. Yeah, right. because right. if they if they feel punished for choosing the wrong thing then they're going to forever be uh you know hesitant of of choosing the wrong thing yeah, yeah. But, that, but i think like, consequences I, are okay like the natural yeah, store con- consequences are yep, fine. Absolutely. Consequences are fine. As long as it's yep. not the right answer and the wrong answer. Right. 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 Like, and yeah, it's so not an extra punishment for not picking that way. It's just yeah. the natural consequences of not having dealt with that. Yeah. And you know what? It's also okay. They may never run into that again because maybe the consequences get dealt with by someone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, so I'm very, I'm very careful. In fact, I often will break out of, break out of game speak and be very clear that like, you know, you're going to face multiple options here and there is no right answer and I'm not going to screw you. 
if you pick uh, if you if you pick you know quote unquote the wrong one there is no wrong one i don't have a favorite here you know and then i go back into the game and that way it's just the you know the that's table contract right like Mm -hmm. i'm I'm not you know i want you to make a choice your choice isn't going to hose you or actually game i'll say like you know i'll do like you roll an insight check and you're you're pretty confident that you're going to be able to get back to you know daggerford and back without necessarily uh you know hosing yourself with gemna i i actually had to do very similar to that i had to make a a distinct statement sort of as at at the metagame level metagame level uh, last weekend because they had a choice of of where to go, which direction to go, and to them, they say they felt like the choice was very consequential. Like that, which one they chose would matter, which is a great thing, right? But then one of the newer players was like, "Oh, I don't want to choose the wrong way," mm-hmm. and I kind of had to stop and say, "Okay, well, there is no wrong way. Like mm-hmm. you, whichever way you go, that's what." That's what you're. That's what you decide, and that's what we'll deal with. There's, there's not a wrong and a right way in terms of a way that I want you to go, or a way that is the better way, or the best way, or the good way, and you're choosing the wrong one or something. There is nothing like that. Right. And and I, I only stopped and said that because this was a newer player, and I didn't want her to think that that's sort of how the game worked. That I would have in my head where there's a right choice and a wrong choice, and whoops, if you chose the wrong one, you're going to end up dying. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not it shouldn't be like that, right? At least not just because the DM decides that, right? You know, yep. don't don't put up your mental Dwarven Forge, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. Any any last thoughts for Mike, uh, or should nope. we go ahead and move on? <laughs> I don't want any last thoughts because no I, I, I I know Mike is is eager to get packed up and go on vacation, which you're heading yeah, out true. for go tomorrow. One D four con tomorrow. Yep. One D four con. Awesome. So I guess if people are in one D at one D four con and and I don't know when this will come out, so hopefully you met Mike. (laughs) (laughs) It won't be out tomorrow, so for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. All right. Well, we're we're over an hour into this uh, thing where we each talk for fifteen minutes. Somehow, always ended up over an hour. Yeah, because uh, fifteen plus fifteen plus fifteen is one hour and three minutes. Because we like talking to each other. We do. That's we why. do. We have a good time. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up and say good night. This is the end of our episode, and we will see you next month. Uh, say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.